0: One, all right, one, great, not even my own family raised their hand, wow, it's, (laughs) now Bluff City's a great place, I love being there, besides the bats, it's great, I mean, I love it there, so uh, really, really thankful uh, for Bluff City and for our home there. Um, My wife and I, Morgan, she's in the back, uh, we've been married almost 10 years, Uh, we met at Milligan College, we have three girls, uh, seven, five, and three-year-olds named Oakley, Charlie, and Andy. Um, I went again went to Milligan College uh, was at Northridge Community Church as a leader there for about five years Now I work for a company called Youth Villages that works with at-risk youth And so now you're basically caught up So if you have your Bibles go ahead and grab those we will be in Acts chapter 4 Whether you're using the analog or digital will be in Acts chapter 4 uh, and for those of you who who find peace knowing kind of the format of where we're headed today, there's essentially three sections I want to break this up into. We're going to, in the first section, we're going to kind of prepare the scripture and we're going to kind of give context and that sort of thing. And then we're going to read the scripture. That'll be the second part. And then the third part, we're just going to talk through some applications. So in about 25 to 30 minutes or so, we'll start singing again. Uh, please don't time me, but that's ex- what I'm shooting for. So... Today marks one week, as Matt said, one week since we celebrated the greatest event that's ever happened in the history of the world. The resurrection of Jesus. And this single event changed forever the, what I call the authority hierarchy. Right, Because before the resurrection of Jesus, for us, when it really comes down to it, our God, or the the top of the hierarchy, was our preservation of life, our fear of death, our preservation of our way of life, or preserving our group of people, or preserving this, or preserving that, and being afraid of what might happen, right? And even the disciples were this way. When... Jesus was taken, what did the disciples do? They flee. Why? Because they loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. They heard all these sermons. They heard all these teachings. They saw signs and wonders like they had never seen before. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it, preservation of their own life reigned supreme over Jesus to them. And this is the same for us. Let's not be too hard on the disciples. This is the same for us without Jesus, isn't it? That fear of death ultimately has to control us. That that we have to go on trying to preserve our life at all costs. But then Jesus happened. The resurrection of Jesus happened. See, on Easter Sunday, the authority hierarchy changed once and for all when Jesus through his resurrection, demonstrated his place at the top with all authority, even over death, as he gave death to death, demonstrating that death has no power. He proved on Easter Sunday that death doesn't determine life, that he determines life because he is life. So the disciples, after seeing the resurrected Jesus, forever changed their own uh, authority hierarchy where it It looks like Jesus supreme above it all because he has triumphed over death. And now this shift from self-preservation being at the top to now Jesus being at the top, we're going to see here in Acts 4 how that changes everything. See, Jesus redefining the authority hierarchy changes everything. You think about the disciples. To them, before Jesus was resurrected, peace to them looked like the absence of stressors or the absence of war. But now, peace looks like the presence of Jesus despite what circumstances are there. Peace to them looks like even in the midst of war, they could have peace. Why? Because Jesus is above it all. They could find peace and uh, refuge in Jesus. And things like joy to them no longer looked like getting their way but submitting to the way because in the valley, no matter how difficult things might be, they can have joy. Why? Because Jesus is above it all. And hope to them no longer looked like anxiously anticipating maybe this thing will work out, maybe it won't, but instead hope is known. We know what is to come because we know that Jesus is above it all. And so this fundamentally shifted how the disciples engaged in their everyday activity. And one more thing before we get into the scripture. Maybe you come in today and there are things that are pretty high up there that you're dealing with. Maybe there are things like uh, marriage struggles, financial strain, sin habits, Uh, Maybe you've had loss recently. Maybe there are traumas. Maybe there are things going on, and, and you say, Dallas, I know what you're saying about Jesus. I know that he is good, but this thing is difficult. Well, let me tell you today that because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can actually switch these statements around and we can say, I know this thing is difficult, but Jesus, I know you are good. We can say, I know this thing is powerful and it's difficult. But Jesus, I know you have all power and all authority above it all. Just like David did when he saw the giant, when everybody was scared to face him. What did he say? He said, you come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord our God. We can switch these statements around. And this is exactly what the disciples did here in Acts 4. We're going to start in chapter one, we see this on full display with Peter and John. Verse one, it says this The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, let's look back here because this is Peter and John's opportunity. If they're wanting out... Now's a good time to do it. In fact, they've kind of been here before, right? The, the rulers and the authorities, they come to arrest Jesus. And at that time, the disciples back away and they say, hey, this isn't the way it was supposed to go. I'm out. Like, this has been great, but I need to preserve my life. And this is their moment again right now, isn't it? It's like, hey, they're asking. The, the rulers are gathered. The priests are gathered. They're all saying, hey, by what name did you do this? But remember, things are different now things are different now because of the resurrection let's look at Peter's response verse 8 then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them rulers and elders of the people if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed then know this you and all the people of Israel It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, for whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Because Jesus has overcome death, their allegiance has changed. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This is another opportunity, isn't it? Get out while you can. Get out while you can. But here's the response. I want you to note this. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. The question I want us to kind of chew on this morning is, when is the last time you were so excited about this Jesus, so filled with the Holy Spirit that you just couldn't help but talk about what you've seen and heard him do? And I want you to notice this difference here between can't and won't, right? That's a big difference between can't and won't. Won't is like you, you have the opportunity to make this choice or this choice or whatever, but can't is like man. They're so overcome and and overjoyed by Jesus, and he's so high at the top of their authority hierarchy that that they're just compelled. That he overflows out of them. They just can't help but talk about this Jesus, even in the face of imprisonment or death. So I want to ask that question again, like. When is the last time you were so overjoyed by this Jesus that you just had to share with others? And for most of us, it doesn't take certain death to keep us from talking about Jesus. Sometimes it just takes perception, people's perception of us and Uh, Don't get me wrong, I'm certainly not advocating for you to like stand on the street corner downtown Johnson City and holding up signs and you know, if you want to do that, it's great, I'm not judging it, but I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but what I'm saying is there are people around you constantly, right? Your, your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, your coworkers all that. And there should be times where you're just like, man, I spent some time with Jesus and he revealed this thing to me. And I'm just so excited because I've been dealing with this. But yet he's shown his authority above it. And I've experienced something I've not experienced before. And I'm just so thankful for what he's doing. And so if you never find yourself compelled just to talk about him, maybe maybe we ought to consider like, do we have him somewhere on this hierarchy? Like, we think Jesus is great, but, like, there are other things, you know, potentially uh, ahead of it. Or, or maybe it's worse. Maybe we've treated Jesus like he's some sort of, like, cultural norm that we latch onto Because, you know, in East Tennessee, we go to church, right? That's just kind of what we do, and that's a good thing. But, like, have we really been rooted in this truth of his authority above it all? See, we don't need to treat Jesus like... We treat golf like something you do on the weekend, right? And then you go the rest of your week and you just kind of move on. Like, Jesus should overcome us so much that, like, he's in every detail of our lives. Have you truly recognized the magnitude of who he is and what he's done? I want to tell a quick story. Um, 2016, about six years back, almost on the dot, really. It was May 23rd of 2016, uh, this was the hardest year of my life by far. Uh, May 23rd, I'll probably never forget it, I developed what's called panic disorder, which it's like where you have, you know, panic attacks that kind of reoccur, reoccur, that sort of thing, and it felt like it hit me just completely out of left field because I've always been the guy who's like, hey, it's fine, whatever, like the world's crumbling, it's fine, whatever, we'll just kind of move on. Um, And I'm sure a psychiatrist would tell me differently, like, oh, no, you suppressed all that, and then it just exploded all one day, and that's probably exactly what happened, but uh, looking back, we were building a house, we were planting a church, I was working full-time in another state, Uh, we had a 17-month-old and a newborn, so it's no wonder, looking back, that some of this stuff happened, but... um, But just a couple of weeks in, I didn't really know how to handle it, and my pride wouldn't allow me just to be completely transparent and humble about this whole thing and try to work it out. I tried to suppress it, all that stuff. Uh, About two weeks in, I told Morgan, I said, look, as serious as I could be, I said, look, I'm either going to die because my body cannot handle this stress anymore, or I'm going to go insane because I can't handle it anymore. So I cried out to God. I said, God, please take this away. I can't deal with it any longer. Please take it away. And about two months go by, and the same thing's going on. Same thing, same thing. And I heard this message about the authority of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth. And for one second, for one second, I saw a glimpse of hope in that moment. For one second. Two months in, one glimpse. And I tried to stay there. I just stayed there like, okay, let me focus on this one glimpse. And it became two glimpses. And then more and more, and then one day, I remember sitting at my desk at school, and I had another panic episode. But, like, I had over that, it sounds like almost oxymoronic, but I felt this peace that Jesus was transcendent above that moment. That this moment would end, but Jesus would still be here, and he's above it because he's with me in this moment, and he's stronger. And so I experienced this This peace in the midst of panic, which is crazy, right? And by no means do I want that stuff to come back, but if it does, I can say, look, I know how the hierarchy goes. That thing that I dealt with that was so difficult, that was crippling, that was just devastating and left me hopeless, Jesus is greater. And so I share that story to tell you all today. Listen. I can't help but share about what I've seen and heard. When I was desperate, on my knees, on the ground, saying, I've wrecked myself, I'm not gonna make it, it's over, it's done, and that dude picked me up off the ground and demonstrated his authority and power above it, I'm gonna talk about that guy. And so I wanna ask, Like, do you know that you were left for dead? Do you know where you are without Jesus? Do you know your need for him? And if so, man, he should just be coming out of us in action and in word. The band's going to come up and uh, we're going to enter back into a time of worship. Uh, And I just want you to dwell on this question during this time. Are you compelled to talk about what you have seen and heard him do? And if not, why not? Remember, Peter and John said cannot, not will not, cannot We don't need to try harder. It's not going to get us anywhere. Instead, we need to lean into his authority and power above everything. And by the way, this is what's so cool. Not only all authority and power, but what does he do with his authority and power? Philippians 2 tells us, it says that that he did not use equality with God for his own gain, but he did what? He served. He gave up himself for us. He uses the greatest possible authority to demonstrate the greatest possible love to you and me. What I want you to do this morning is lean into his power above your situation and lean into the love of Jesus. Even if you are wrecking yourself completely. By the way, don't miss this. Even if you are wrecking yourself completely right now, run to him. Don't get yourself cleaned up first, like, if I'm doing a little better, I have a good day, then I'll kind of make my appearance to him. No, no, no. because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we cleaned ourselves up and looked a little bit better. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it, it reminds me of the prodigal son. You know the story that Jesus tells. He tells the parable of the prodigal son. He says... There was a son who essentially didn't even care about his father at all. In fact, all he really wanted was his father's possessions. And Jesus says that the the son said, Father, can I go ahead and have my inheritance? And I'm going to go off and live my own life. And what does he do? He goes away and he wrecks everything, doesn't he? Squanders it all. Squanders every little thing. And then finally... He decides, you know what, I need to go back home to my father. And it says this, while the, fa- while the son was still a long way off, what does the father do? He comes running. He comes running, not to scold you, not to get on to you about your behavior, but he says, I'm so glad you're coming home. He gives him a kiss, he gives him a hug, and he says, everybody, friends, family, come to the house. My son who was gone is coming home. He just wants you to come home. And he's going to throw a party when you do. So today, I want you to respond, even if things are going really terribly. In fact, especially if things are going very terribly for you right now. Maybe there are sin habits that you just can't break. Maybe there are traumas. Maybe there are things you haven't given to him. Or maybe it's numbness. Maybe you're just so numb right now because of certain things going on that you just haven't really felt him close. I just want you to come to him during this time and say, Jesus, I know you are good. This thing's difficult, but I know you are stronger. I know you are better. Jesus, I know your authority is above it all. No matter what that thing is, I know because of the resurrection of Jesus, you are here and everything else is below. So come on me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are first and foremost. God, you are good. You demonstrate time and time again that no matter what the situation is, like literally from the beginning in Genesis, you say uh, that the enemy wishes things for bad and you take those things and you turn them for good. Father, you do that all the time, and the enemy is left with no moves. We just prayed about after Jesus arose, the darkness ran for cover. Father, you have defeated our enemies. You have defeated sin and death on the cross. Father, help us believe. Give us belief, Father. Give us a faith in you and for who you are. Father, help us to trust in you, Father, I pray that you will just, anytime that there's guilt or insecurity or things involved, I pray you'll remind us of that story, that while we were still a long way off, you come running. While we were still sinners, you died for us. Father, help us to just come to you. You'll take the pieces, you'll pick them up, you'll put them back together. Father, help us just to come to you. Father, we love you a whole lot. In Jesus' name, amen.